Thank you for tuning into this teaching. We hope this message blesses you. Our mission as Marigold Church is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. We hope as you listen to this, you encounter the real Jesus. Let him transform your mind, transform your heart, and encounter you today. Before we get into the, the message, I wanted to, to talk about something, and it was something we had a really good conversation about um, Monday evening, and in it was about uh, Trey. So Pastor Trey uh, is on our board, and uh, I and I talked to you know our church board, and and so uh, I talked about this just in the introduction. Now I I brought Trey on board. We had done business together. He's he's related. Um, he's married to my cousin, and so I've seen him up close and personal for for many many years. And one of the things about Trey is, is if he's saying it, he's living it. And I, and I fully, I, more than anything else, it was a, it's about his honesty and his, and his, uh, he's trustworthy, uh, more than I, it more than, it wasn't like I need people that have the same theological views as me on my board because I need everyone to agree with me on my board. And that's not the case. That's not, that's not the case. Me and Trey do not agree on a lot of theological things. I will say that. And so it was kind of brought up in, a, in our meeting like, hey, Trey said some things that kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I completely, I uh, don't, you know. And, 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 I, and I said, I 100% agree. 100% agree. There's things that him and I teach differently. And we, we have different perspectives on but that's what that's exactly what it is their perspectives and i'll say this i and i'm going to i kind of like was thinking about this this week and so i laid out a couple of questions this is the first question why do we invite others to speak even if we don't agree on things cuz i'm going to bring more people on that i don't agree with them just so just so you know just so you know I will say this to me and me don't always agree on a lot of things. And so it's hard for me to get me and someone else to, to agree on a lot of things. Me and 20-year-old me don't agree. I hope that me and 60-year-old me would be a little different, right? That, that there would be some growth, that there would be some maturity. And so, and so, and I don't believe, and you'll hear me say this, there's things in the church that the church has been debating for 2,000 years. And to think that little old Marigold Church on Spearhead Road all of a sudden has all of it figured out in 2022 would be very prideful, very arrogant, and very self-deceiving. We don't have it all figured out. And that's why we seek after Him constantly. That is the main thing, is I invite people up that we may disagree, we may have different perspectives, but in the end, are we seeking after truth? There's a prayer that I'll pray over, over the kids, and especially as they were younger and coming up, and I would kind of tuck them in bed, and there was two prayers that I would pray depending on their age. When they were too little to kind of understand, I would say, Father, I ask that you would bless them from the top of their head, and i you know, mess up their hair, and then 
bless them from the bottom of their feet, and I tickle their feet and their tummy too, and I and I tickle them, and and that was their that was their blessing that the, they would be blessed from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet and their tummy too. And as they got a little bit older and more understanding, I would pray something else over them. I said, I pray that you would be seekers of truth, that you would be finders of truth, that you would be lovers of truth, and that you would be livers of truth. And that is what we aim to be. Those are the things that we aim to be. But we have to be seekers of truth. And that's what, that's what I believe the men that we invite are, are seekers of truth. Now, some things are as plain as day in the Scripture. Right? And on those things, we agree. We will agree on those things. If There are certain things that if you don't agree on those things, you don't even look at the stage, okay? Don't even think about coming up here. If you don't agree on certain things, all right? Jesus was not just a good man, all right? He's the Son of God. He's part of the Trinity. There's just certain things. He died on the cross. The, you know, His blood was shed. for He took your place on the cross, it was there's certain things that are non-negotiable, right? We have non-negotiable. But then there are things that are, are a mystery. There are things that are a mystery, and we're still trying to figure out. And, and it's funny, like just, uh, you know, in the case of, you know, uh, here's one that will rattle cages. Can you lose your salvation? Man, there's a lot of scriptures that say no. No, I, I and then there's a lot of scriptures that look like, well, I don't know. It looks like it says yes. So what is it? I let's not find out. How about let's not get too close to that edge, all right? It's kind of like, you know, when someone starts asking, how far can I go on our first date before it's too far? You've gone too far already. Stop. Like, if that you, like, let's not. How far can I go before I'm not saved? You've gone too far. Let's not go there, okay? Let's let's stay away from that. All right, and and that's and that's the way we want to look at it. And sometimes what it is is it's it's just perspective, right? So I've got a coin in my hand. I my, I got a my life saving. I got a dime, right? And so <laughs> I've got a dime. I got a dime. I thought I had a quarter in my pocket. I guess it's just a dime. You know, I'm getting reverse miracles here. But, uh, but it's, <laughs> so I got a dime. And, and, I, and, you know, and, you know, if you look at a dime and you see the heads. And so if you ask me to, 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 uh, to describe this dime, well, if it's heads up, I'm going to describe what I see. If someone else has a dime and, they're, and they have it tails up, they're, and you ask them to describe a dime, they're going to they're gonna describe something completely different. But at the end of the day... If it's missing one of those two sides, at best, you, you, you're, you're an error. At worst, it's, it's a forgery. It's, it's fake. It's not real. So it's important that we understand that there, on a lot of issues, there's, there's just two sides of the same coin, right? But it's important that we get to that, that, that the, same, the same thing. The other thing is when it comes to grasp, Getting a grasp on certain subjects, right? I am hold, I'm holding this microphone in my hand. I can easily hold it with these four fingers. All four of these fingers. I've got my, my index finger, my middle finger, my ring finger, my pinky. And they're all faced the same direction, right? They're all kind of headed different sizes, but, but all kind of it, it pointed in the same direction, and so I can grasp things like that. I can hold the microphone that way and do, do okay. 
but there's something when you when you enter an opposing view, when you have your thumb and your thumb it's 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 opposing the other four, at the same time it's in unity with the other four. Right? So it's in unity, even though there's some opposition, they're, they're out for the same thing. There's, a, there's an opposition there. And what it does is it gives me a better grasp on this microphone. You can't knock this microphone out of my hand when I'm holding it like this. Why? Because I've got a firm grip on it. And sometimes what happens is, you may, and it, it may be that someone comes up and says something completely different, and it doesn't change your mind. You may come, leave out saying, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but it, what it does do is it gets you thinking. Because sometimes when you hear what you believe all the time, you forget what you believe. And so it's like, everyone, everyone agrees with me. Every, and it's like, oh, and then you got some guy that comes in and says something, and it's like, whoa, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know why I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe I should think about this. And so I would rather you be a, a, a thinking. I, I, want to, I want us to be a thinking church. Right? So when, when they ask, what do you believe? It's not just what you believe. Okay, well, why do you believe that? That's a good question. Why do I believe this? Do I believe it? And, and I think it's important to question what you believe. and With, with the heart of coming to the truth. Right? And so... When it comes to like, you know, why, why do I believe? I don't know. Do I believe this just because the pastor said it? Do I believe it because I heard it on a podcast? Do I believe, do I believe it because that's what my parents believed? Do I believe it because, you know, that's, that's what I've just heard in the past or that's, that's tradition or that's culture or what? Or why do I truly believe it? And I think it's good. It's good to explore those things. And it's not about trying to destroy your faith. It's about coming to a better understanding of it. It's about getting that, that good grasp, right? I've got a good grasp on this thing. The other thing is, um, I do not want our church to, to be full of lazy faith. Where it's just, you, you just take everyone's word for it, and oh, that's what he says. I'm not going to read it for myself. I, it's lazy. The scripture says, that we are to work out our salvation. We work it out. And sometimes you discover some things about your faith just by working it out. Right? I'm going let, to, let's see. I, I, I say, I hear what he said. Let me put that to practice. And you get a few steps in and you're like, oh, I don't know. But, but you're working it out. Right? You're working it out. All right? You're working out your salvation. You're working out your faith. It, it brought another question. Which is, uh, why do we remain a non-denominational church? I, I get asked a lot. I, most of the time when people ask, what do you do? I say, I'm a roofer. I don't say I'm a pastor. All right? I, I, I'm a roofer who, who does pastoring. Right? Not necessarily a pastor who does roofing. And that's, so that's just kind of the way. I, so I say, I'm a roofer. I, I do roofs. I've been doing roofing for a long time. And, it, you know, it takes usually a while before we'll get into the whole pastoring thing. But if I do, if it does come up, it's a, if, uh, about pastoring or being a pastor, the first thing, what denomination are you? I'm not against denominations. Let me, let me say that. But I don't want to be boxed in. 
And I think it comes down to the laziness of, of faith type thing. If I tell you I'm a Baptist, now all of a sudden you know everything about me. Because you know everything the Baptists believe, and I'm not an individual, I'm just part of the Baptist. If I tell you I'm a Pentecostal, I bark like a dog and bark like a chicken, and you know everything about me. Right? That's kind of the reputation. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's weird and crazy, but it's, um, if I tell you I'm a Methodist, there's, there's certain, there's connotations that come to different things. I don't care about any of those things. I, I'm, uh, I, I talked to one guy Friday, and he, he said he, he identifies as a Bapticostal, uh, part Baptist, part Pentecostal, and, and, I, and, and, and him and I were talking, I'm like, man, I, I, I'm kind of in that same thing. There's things on the Reformed and the Calvinist thing that I'm like, yeah, that's great. And there's some on the Arminian side that I'm like, yeah, that's great. And some with the, the Pentecost, like, you know, and it just, but the thing is, to be put in a box like that is really hard when you're trying to just be a follower of Christ. That's what I want to do. I am a seeker of Christ. And if he shows up to one and not the other, whatever, I just, I, I, and because then we put Jesus in that box too, right? Jesus is, is a Baptist. Jesus is a this. Jesus is this. And it's like, well, wait a minute. He's none of those. He's Jesus. And that he should be the center of everything that we do. And so I'm not big on, on labels. And, and even, even saying non-denominational has become like a denomination. Right? And, and it's just about, look, we're seekers of Christ. And that's and, and his truth. And that's what, that's what we're going to do. There's other, other things that, that have labels as well. And one of, the, one of the dangerous things that is going on right now and, and a lot of it is rooted in uh, the, an idea called deconstruction. And the danger of deconstruction, and I heard it put so eloquently by uh, I, I, Nate, not Nate Finocchio, but Gabriel Finocchio. He was kind of giving this thing, and, and he was saying that the dangerous thing about, about some of the deconstruction that goes on is that they're taking... Uh, labels or certain terminology and they're keeping the terminology but then adding new meaning right so to love your neighbor used to mean something but now it means something else to to question your faith meant some, one thing but now it means something else and so you have all these labels so even then if someone starts asking me what do you believe about this I'll one of the things that I'll say and I, I would encourage you to do this what do you mean by that Right. What do you think about, uh, I don't know, charismatic? Uh, what do you mean by charismatic? Because sometimes the, even those little labels can, can, can be, you know, misconstrued or whatever, and it's kind of hard. So I just, I, I encourage us, and, and so, you know, there's different people that we'll bring in. I don't care what label you are, as long as, as, long as you're seeking Christ, right? We have, uh, one of the things that, that um, Trey mentioned about, I think he mentioned about um, drinking alcohol and smoking and, and things of like that. I'm, I'll disagree with him on some of those things. I don't drink and I don't smoke. But I also don't think necessarily that those things are a sin. I do believe that getting drunk is a sin. I also think that eating 
two boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts is a sin. But those, that one's going to be less preached about, right? It's going to, you know, because, you know, fried chicken. Is that a sin? I don't know. Is it, it's, is it good for you? I don't know. Tastes good. I don't know. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Tofu's a sin. I'll tell you that right now. Right? But <laughs> no debate. We're just going to draw the line on that one. But what happens with labels is they tend to box you in. Into, into believing something that you're not even, you're not even aware of or sure of, um, or it also, it also causes you to, to reject some, something before you even have an understanding of what you're rejecting. And so we're, that's why. Um, I, I do believe in preferences. Now, I'll say this. Um, Friday, we went to a, a wedding. Friday night, we went to a wedding. And we... Jen and I, we, they were offering, they, you know, they offered us drinks, uh, wine, champagne, uh, whatever, mixed drinks, whatever, whatever they had. And they were like, hey, y'all are, you know, just to honor y'all, we, you know, get whatever you want and, and we'll pay for it. I drink water. I drink water. Now, here's the thing. If I'd have gone and got a glass of champagne, would I have been in sin? No. If I had a couple of bottles, yeah. Okay, it, 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 and so there's 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 a line that you cross, right? Now I will say this though about the drinking: if I had gone and and got a glass of champagne or a glass of uh, or whatever, I would not have been violating the law of God. I would though have been violating my own conscience. Does that make sense? Because I made a decision within my conscience, between me and the Lord, that I would not do that. I would not smoke. I would not drink. I would not do those things. So it would be a violation of my own conscience. If you'll violate your own conscience, you'll violate, eventually violate the law, right? So it's just like one step in a... Now, why is that? Now, the reason I made this decision was because of my family history of drinking, right? And, I, and it was... So as for me... And then, and then I wanted to, to make sure that my wife and I were of the same thing. So that was one of the very early things between me and Jen. It was just like, hey, if, if I, I'm just letting you, I'm making this decision. I, well, because I had made this decision many, many years ago. But whoever I was going to marry, I wanted to make sure that we were lined up on this decision. Does that make sense? And so it's not necessarily that, and we don't look down on anybody or, or think that that makes us any higher because we... No, no, no. Someone may look at me and eating fried chicken and think, like, how dare you destroy your body? You know, it's just with cholesterol. And you eat the chicken skin? How dare you? You know, it's just... And, and yes, and I dip it in ketchup, too. I want you to know that right now. And so, and, and you know, it's just... And it's just... And, you know, and, and so someone else may look... Because maybe it, that may be a violation of their conscience because maybe they battle certain things in their health and, and, they, and they're saying, God, be, I'm... I'm, dis- I'm I'm consecrating this before you that I'm not going to eat certain things. And it's not necessarily a sin, but it may be a violation of their own conscience. If you can violate your own conscience, eventually you, you, you will step into sin. Does that make sense? And so those things can be preached. And I just want to bring wisdom in those things. Because I'll, I'll say this. It's funny. I know for, and, and here's the other thing is, I know for a fact Trey does not drink and smoke. His background is that though. He came from that. And so for him to step into that, 
he would be, yeah, in stepping in, in, in some bad business, okay? Uh, Richard Armenta, my good friend, and uh, him, him and his wife, uh, Barbie, they're going to be here in, uh, in two weeks. He's going to be preaching. And, and the, uh, the other day, I called him. I, it was Thursday or Friday. Hey, Richard, how's it going, bud? Oh, nothing, man. Just meeting with some guys. We're doing, uh, he's, he's in the roofing company. He's in roofing business, too. And yeah, I just had a business meeting. And just, man, we decided to, to, to stop by and just have a cigar. And then you just, you know, we're just talking and just chatting it up and having a cigar. And I, okay. That's not me. But it doesn't violate anything there. Does that make sense? You know, I just as well suck on a tailpipe. But that's me, right? That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my, uh, these are, and those are preferences, right? And sometimes we can preach our preferences. Um, now our mission as a church is this. Our mission is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. And that means hearing different points of view. Now, when I say different points of view, I don't mean different faiths, okay? I don't need a Buddhist come up up here and telling me what he thinks about Jesus or uh, someone who's a Muslim or anything like that. I'm talking about people of the same faith that are, have different perspectives, okay? Now, there's a word that we use in, in our mission statement, the word real, real Jesus, the reason we use that word is not a quali- it's not a qualifying word. Okay? It's not it's not a a uh you know, we have the real thing type thing. It's not a qualifier even that well, you know, because there is, you know, there's there's an old adage if you have to use the word real then it's probably not real. And and I've heard that I actually heard that in a in a in a, in a podcast this last week and and uh and but what it is, when we use the word real, it's not a qualifier it's a warning that there are things or, or, or you know, churches and, and groups that, that will point to a Jesus that is not real, okay? He's like, like I don't know, unicorn riding, fairy dust spreading Jesus, okay? Or he's wrapped in American flag with a machine gun Jesus, or he's, you know, hippie from the 60s, Jesus. I don't, like, there's all these factions of Jesus, right? And so I was just kind of getting caught. If, if, and if we get caught in that, we're going to, when the real Jesus shows up, if he doesn't look like, feel like, dress like, sound like, belong to the same political party we belong to, belong to the same denomination we belong to, then what happens is we we miss who he really is. And so I think there, you know, it's, it's been said that if Jesus showed up to some of the churches today, he would be escorted out and not welcome. And, this, and these are the same, and some of these are same, same churches and same places that are saying, we love Jesus, Jesus is welcome, Jesus is this, Jesus is that. And then you see what they truly believe, and you're like, man, Jesus, I don't think he knows the address to this place. And I want to say this one last thing. The reason, one of the last reasons, or or just kind of another thing, I do not want us to follow blindly anyone. 
I don't want you following me blindly. The Apostle Paul said, follow me. Then he said, as I follow Christ. So ultimately, our thing is to follow Christ. So that means if I'm walking the straight line, then, then, then yeah, then be in line with me. Okay? Pastor does not mean I'm above and I know. It just, it just means that I'm, I'm at the front. That means when, when someone's getting punched in the face, it gets to be me. That's all that means. Okay? And, and, and it just means that, you know, just like the shepherd, the she- I'm an under-shepherd. That, that's the, the perfect, a, a pastor is not the shepherd. He's the shepherd. We're under-shepherds, right? And then, and then so then we have a, the teams of people that are, and it's all about shepherding. It's about shepherding in that straight line, not in the straight line of the pastor, in the straight line of Jesus. So if the pastor veers off, you're not following blindly because your eyes are not on the pastor. Your eyes are on Jesus. Does that make sense? And so, and, and so I, I love this saying. I don't know where I got it from. I know I didn't make it up because I'm not that smart. But it's just, I heard, I heard it somewhere. I know I heard it somewhere. I'll, I tried to figure out where I heard it and I couldn't figure it out. But it said this. If you follow blindly, in the end, all you are is blind. And so, and so there's, how many of you have ever had this moment in your life? Where you followed maybe an idea, a person, or something, and you followed it blindly. And then one day you opened your eyes. Or the Lord opened your eyes, I should say that. And you're like, where am I? This is not where I thought I was going. But you were, you're following blindly, and we don't want to do that. I, I love the psalm. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, it says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that. To see His goodness. Not just to believe it blindly. We don't follow God blindly. Our faith is in Him, but it's not a blind faith. We get to see what He's done. We get to see His Word. He, he, He lays it out. We, we see, even in Jesus, when he lays out, he lays out his lineage. He, it, it's not like a, he doesn't skip a few generations here and there to, you know, so it looks more puffy. No, the, the prostitutes are in there. The, 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 the high people, the low people, the kings, the prostitutes, they're all in there. It's not like a blind lineage. He's, he's very open. This is, this is what it is. This is what I've come from. But I am God. I'm the child of God. I'm the son of God. And a little bit after that, it, it, that, that was Psalm 30, 34, verse 8. And then a little bit after that, in Psalm 34, verse 10, it says this. It says, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So we get to see the Lord. We get to seek after him. And in doing so, we will not want of any good thing. That is the end of what I was saying. That's the introduction to something that I'm not even talking about today that was supposed to be five minutes long. So what do I do? (laughs) Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for being here. Lord, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things and then 
And then we'll, we'll call it a night. But Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord God, you're, you're always giving wisdom. I thank you, Lord God, that you would continue to pour out wisdom in this church. As we seek you, Lord, we find you. And in finding you, we are not left wanting. You're abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Everything other than you comes up empty, comes up short, comes up wanting, comes up disappointing. But Lord, you, you never leave us dry. You never leave us lacking. You never leave us hungering for for more. You're always a filling God. And we thank you for your filling us tonight. Amen. I'm not going to get into the scripture. Well, or the scripture I was going into, but as we talked about the first nine plagues, we saw something in in the Pharaoh that his heart was hardened, and he was he took it upon himself to harden his own heart. And then God said, okay, now I'm going to harden your heart. And what happens is when we harden our heart to the Lord, you know, we never stop wanting something from Him. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we're always wanting something from Him. Even people who don't believe in Him want something from Him. Why? Because everything is the Lord's. And so for me to want anything, I am wanting something of him. And so the Pharaoh still wanted something of him. He wanted his land. He wanted the people, but he wasn't going to acknowledge him. And he was not going to show honor to the Lord. He was not going to respect the Lord. And hardening of our hearts comes from two things. Because we're always either hardening our heart more or we're humbling it more. There's, we're never static. We're always in a, in, a, in, a, in a place of humbling or hardening. And so we've got to constantly be doing a, a, a checkup in our heart. But this is where we lose respect. If we lose respect for God's word, we, our heart is hardened. If we're hardened to, when we hear the word of God and it's like, yeah, yeah. It may be that you've heard it for the first time, but you're rejecting it. Your heart is hardened. It may be that you've heard it so many times that it's like, yeah, yeah. What else is new? I want the new faith. I want the new thing that's out there. And we can harden our hearts to hearing the word. The next thing we can either be hardened or humble to is the work of God. The work of God. And this can come many ways, either by rejecting it. No, no, that wasn't God. I mean, that was just coincidence. You know, I know I've been praying for this and it was impossible. And now that it's here, it's like, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I spoke it into existence. Or it can be very much like just a, a forgetting of it. How many times has God done something in my life and then I just forget that God did it? And it's like, because I'm so busy with the next thing that I forgot about the last thing. 
or I start taking credit for it, of course that happened. Um, you know how brilliant I am. It's like, no, you're the idiot that got yourself in that situation. You're not the smart guy that got out. God opened those doors. You got to crawl out. But you're the one that kicked the door in to get in trouble. You're the fool. And so we can, we can harden our heart or humble our heart to the word of God or the work of God. And, and, and obviously uh, the Pharaoh chose to harden his heart. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Rebecca, if you'll find that one. And it's about the, the last plague. And, and it hasn't happened yet, but it's the Lord saying this is what's going to happen. It says, now the Lord said to Moses, one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and the sight of the people. And Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I am going into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Now, that last phrase, the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel, is so important. We've talked in the beginning of, of talking of, about Exodus, is Egypt in that time, was it's a real place. Egypt and Israel, these are real places, real people. But as we look back on it, we see that there's, a, there, there's something that, that Egypt stands for and there's something that Israel stands for as far as for, for our uh, takeaway. Egypt is the land of sin. Egypt is a land of bondage. And Israel is this new place, the new people. Because remember, before God created a place for the people, He created a people. And so now He's about to take them to a land. And so, He's taking His people out of this bondage. And so there's a distinction between those who are and remain in Egypt and those who are God's people. That is true to this day. And there is a pattern that goes. Every single person who is born 
will die. Physically, we will die. Yesterday, I was so glad that I got to go out and play golf. And I was excited. And uh, a few days ago, I got to play as well. And there was a gentleman who was 82 years old, and he beat me at golf. 82. I am literally half his age. And uh, he invited me to his church. I didn't tell I told him I was a roofer. And he invited me to his church, he, uh, Baptist church, and he was like, man, you ought to come, and it's good, and, and gave me a, a, like a little track and everything else. And, but, it, you know, but I don't think I'll be showing my face because he's going to be telling people like, yeah, I beat him at golf, and some, there's, I have some pride. And so, so I, I don't think I'll be going to his church. But he was so sweet, but, he, but it was funny, we got on the subject of death. I thought I would be uncomfortable talking about that with an 82-year-old. I think he's a little closer. I'm not sure. I'm just, you know, I'm not putting anything on him. I'm just, you know, if this whole thing plays out, he's going to beat me to the race, you know. And so it's just, and it's like, but he was so, he was just like, yeah, man, we all die. I've got a brother. He's 94 and another brother's 91. And we're still ticking, but we're all going to die. And it's just like, wow, like, yeah, I guess so. But yesterday as, as I was playing and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, um, I swing and I hear my, my knee pop and, you know, I get out of the cart and my hip pops and I'm like, what in the world? This is not 20-year-old problems. This is, this is much older. What is going on? And it's a reminder that my body is decaying. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to die. But, but there's also the reminder, you know, I, John, he may go before me, but we're going to see each other in heaven. Why? Because there's those who die spiritually and then those who don't die spiritually. They call, it's called the second death. And we're not all, we don't all have to die that second death. And there's a distinction between those who, who, are, who, are, who are linked to their sin or, or attached to their sin and those who have been freed from it. You, you know that hell was not meant... For me and you, our neighbors, or anything else. God is going to throw sin in hell. The problem is when we attach ourselves to it, we're going with it. And so there's this breaking. So what if you if you stay attached to Egypt, you're going to, to get the same thing Egypt gets. But if you say, no, 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 I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to believe in Him. I'm going to believe in the blood. And we're going to see in that, it, what it does is it creates a distinction. No longer when death comes, and we're going to see this next week, when death comes, because there's going to be death that comes, and it's going to be able to pass over the believer. And that's what he's, he, he's preparing Moses. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. Next week, we're going to talk about the Passover. We're going to end this, this, this and, then, uh, and then I won't be here the next week. But we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, or I'm not going to preach the next week. And so we're going we're gonna to end this, this, this little part here of the plagues, because then we're going into the escape, the exodus, 
And then that's where it gets good. It gets really, this is like interesting. I would say it's all interesting. But then we're going to start getting into the idea of like what it means to walk out this salvation. To walk it out. To go out in the wilderness feeling like, you know, the people, they looked back and said, man, I miss Egypt. How many of you have ever, you, you, God has freed you from sin and then you start looking, man, Egypt sure looks good. Man, I used to do, man, I, I'll never forget. We did a, uh, I was at a church and it was a men, like a men's retreat type thing and, and different men got to come up and, and give their testimony and a guy came up and gave like a 15 minute testimony. I kid you not. There was 14 minutes and 30 seconds of all of his sinful deeds. And then 30 seconds saying, but I can't do that anymore because now God saved me. So that's where I'm at. And then and walked off stage and it's like, he sounds disappointed to be saved. It's like, yeah, man, I can't cheat and lie and steal and spit and cuss. And, uh, you know, just all the things I love to do. I'm trying to figure out this whole salvation thing. But, you know, here, pastor, take it. You know, it's just like. That was not a testimony. That like like that was an advertisement for sin. Like you know, it was just I kid you not. This thing went on and on in like gruesome detail of his sin life, and uh, he was an older gentleman, and he had quite an extensive uh, sin life, and uh, and uh, got thirty seconds uh, to uh, brag on his new salvation. But um, and, you know, one of the things I was looking at is is I was looking, you know, just the tenth plague. It seems so hard, right? It's like, why, why did it have to go there? What, couldn't there have been like another 10th, 11th, 12th? Like, couldn't, how, how far could we go and then finally get this one? Why did it have to be nine and then boom, to drop the hammer, right? And then I was reminded, I was reading a, a book by uh, David Pawson, and he, and he, and he goes back to, to this verse. In, in Exodus chapter 1, 15 and 16, he says this. It says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whose name was Shepra and the other Hua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the, the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. This was what Pharaoh wanted. Pharaoh wanted death. He wanted destruction. He just, he wanted it for others. But God granted him what he wanted in the end, but on himself. And we're going to see that next week. There's two sides of the coin. And we're going to look at both sides next week with this little dime. Next time I'm bringing a bigger coin. I'm going to have to... Pray for a miracle. I need this to turn into a half dollar. But on one side of the coin, there is damnation. And when, when we look at the law, we are born into that. And, and we're born condemned to that already. Right? Because that's that's, I mean, you don't teach a kid to, throw a fit you know there's no parents in there now like this is how you throw a fit in walmart like like it just comes natural like right you know this is how you throw things at me this is how you disrespect your mom this is how you disrespect your dad no one's teaching that stuff it's why it's in them 
right? It's in them. I love your kids. They're cute. They're evil. But, <laughs> oh. Last night I was actually sharing some of my little evil plots and ploys as a child with my wife, and she's like, no. And I'm like, yes, that was me. So there's damnation. But the other side of the coin is redemption. And there's a redemption. And depending on which side, which side you were on, you know, were you on the Egypt side or the Israel side? But we're going we're gonna to dive in this to some more. Thank you all for hearing me out. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence being here tonight. I just thank you, Lord God, for, uh, I, I thank you for just, uh, that you would give me the opportunity to, to speak and share your word. I thank you, Lord God, for the word that was spoken over me. I thank you, Lord God, that by your spirit that you would humble me to, to be able to walk that out because it's not in my strength. It's yours, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that, that I would live a life worthy of the call you've given me. I thank you, Lord God, for, for the, the young people. I know you're drawing the young people in. And I thank you, Lord God, for bringing in um, the, the older families as well, because one thing that youth need is guidance. And it's not all on one man. It's, it's, it's on, it's on uh, husbands and, and wives and mothers and fathers and, and, and grandfathers and, and grandmothers to guide the, the next generation. I thank you, Lord God, that we would all be humbled to you so that we can do what you've called us to do. Lord, you're going to do it with us or without us, but I'm asking you to do it with us. We're with you, Lord. Use us. Guide us. Speak to us. Speak through us. Let us be your hands and your feet. And let us continue to not, not uh, uh, walk blindly, Lord, but that we would taste and see that you are so good. That we would seek after you and be wanting for nothing. In Jesus' name. Hey, if this message or any of the content that we've been putting out has blessed you and you're wondering how you can partner with us in generosity, there are a couple ways to do that. You can download the PushPay app and you can search Marigold Church and you can give that way. You could also set up reoccurring giving and it's really user friendly. It makes it really easy to give. You could also text Marigold to 77977 and give that way. We believe God moves through a generous heart. And so we would love to see what God does through you as you partner with us and as we walk through this journey together.